All right, folks, uh, good to see you tonight. I apologize for the initial technical uh, difficulty, but we're beyond that. And uh, we're going to move on in the, in the thought of the kingdom. Uh, we can probably teach the kingdom of God for the rest of our lives to be Frank, so I, or to be Wayne, instead of me saying to be Frank, to be Wayne, uh, we could stay in this teaching of the kingdom for a long, long time because, you, you know, that's really in the coming of the Lord, he come to establish the kingdom of God. That's, that's what he come to establish. So, so with that in mind, the teaching of the kingdom is a... Uh, is a you, you know subject that we should all be familiar with because the kingdom of God is in our midst, and we and we looked at this last week, and I, I don't want to review everything from last week, but we're going to review some. But to start with, let's turn to Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine. So when you go to the book of Isaiah, and this is one of the scriptures early in my walk that the Lord really, really dealt my life with was, uh, was Isaiah 9. And unto us, verse 6, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So when you come on over in the Gospels, and we read this last week where Jesus is talking to Pilate, and he told Pilate, for this purpose was I born. And Pilate asked him if he was a king, and Jesus said, for this purpose was I born. Scripturally, this is where you can point to. And you can point to it in other places, but, but right here in particular, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. On the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we've been teaching for the last two or three months with the main text being Matthew 6, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's mind was to establish his kingdom in the earth, and I believe we could say in a man. And when, when you look at a kingdom, you're, you are looking at a dominion, right? 
So whenever we see the word kingdom, we we read words like reign, domain, little, little things in the scripture that you, you might not get a hold of sometimes, like under. If you're under something, it has rule over you. So, so, you know, many times in the scripture, those words are there under rain. And we're, we're going to just kind of peel this back a little bit further tonight. And I will ask you, I got, I got a message here of unstable internet on my side. So maybe what we need to do, if you, if you know how, if you don't, don't worry about it. But if you know how, as much as I love seeing your face, hide your face from me to, to, till we get through this, so maybe it doesn't take the bandwidth. Uh, and I apologize for this, but like I said, I'm out on travel. So, so here we have the picture of the kingdom of God, God's dominion. And this really starts back in, in, in creation with Adam because he gave Adam dominion. He gave him dominion over the earth. You know, when he made the man, he, he gave him dominion. So God's mind toward reigning and reigning in a man in his creation was found right there in the beginning when he created Adam and he gave him dominion. So, so you really have that mind of the Lord being expressed in creation. And then fast forward several thousand years, Jesus is, teaching the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we, and we got into God's will. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that a lot of times when we pray, God, your will be done, we're really saying, we're, we're really saying your will for my life. We're not really just saying, God, what is your will? your will to be done, but we're talking about his will pertaining to usually ourselves because we're self-centered in, in nature. Mankind in nature is self-centered. And what God is doing is moving us from the self-center of ourselves to God-centeredness. Now, we hear that a lot of, of sin conscious and God's conscious, but we're going to take it a little bit a step further He's moving us from self-conscious to God-conscious because, because a lot of our mind is a man. As we, as we grew up in humanity before we were converted into the Lord, our whole mind was about ourselves. And even when we come into relationship with God, it was still mostly about us. You know, and, and we pictured that this whole relationship with God was about me. And a lot of a lot of Christian thinking is like that, that this relationship with God is is about me. And what we don't think about is God Himself has a will, whether you and I ever existed or not. Whether whether we ever come across the radar screen and and came into planet Earth or not, God has a will. And, and so as we look at these words, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, there's a bigger thought than his will in my life. And there's a bigger purpose 
than just knowing God's will for my life. And, and when I start seeing that greater purpose and I start hearing that by the Spirit of God, it brings such a release in my soul. It's hard to put in words because, because it's like, it's like you're, you're coming into alignment with the truth. I guess would be the would be the best way I know how to describe it. And as we come into alignment with the truth, there's just a great power, a great reality of substance that is here. Glory to God. So as we look at this in Isaiah, and we start here, here's a picture of a child being born and a son being given that's going to reign. That's really what the picture is. He's going to rank. And everything of God is going to be summed up in him. His name's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So, so this son that Isaiah is prophesying of is coming. And, and then over, I believe it's in the book of Luke. I don't have this, this down in my notes, but, but I believe it's in the book of Luke where it says there is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord and that he is given the throne of David. So here, here this prophecy is set forth by Isaiah and then the, in the Gospels, in, especially Matthew and, and Luke, it, it gets into who this Christ that is born is, that he is the Savior, he is Christ the Lord, and that he is given the throne of his father David. And so, so there's the, the idea coming into the earth of a king, a king. And Jesus expresses that idea when they're taking him to crucify him, like, like we talked about last week. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Because, because in Christianity, a lot of people are thinking someday Jesus is going to come to the Middle East and he's going to sit up on a throne and he's going to rule like men do. That's what they think. He's going to come and he's going to have his throne and he's going to tell you to do this and tell you to do that. And because you're good little children, you'll be children of his kingdom and he'll sit there in Jerusalem on a throne. It's a bigger picture than that. Because that, that doesn't change your heart. You know, if, if that was what it was going to take, then the law of Moses would have worked. And Jesus could have just come and executed the law of Moses and lived forever as a man and just ruled. But that was not the ordained plan of God because the, the, the problem inside a man was it the outward problem? I know we always get fixated on the outward problem. Our bodies get older, our bodies die, all these things happen to our bodies, and we get fixed on that. But the issue was an issue of the mind and of the heart. 
and that's and that's been the issue in man is is this mind and heart issue and all of us sitting here if we're honest we probably could say we have issues of mind and heart and the issue of mind and heart is the rulership of Christ that's the true issue of the mind and the heart is the rulership of Christ because if we come in alignment with the rulership of Christ the issue's gone now now that said to me a whole lot, and I'm going to try to explain that. I was wanting to wanting to get in this scripture later on, but I, but I but I keep getting pressed toward it. Turn over to Romans five, Romans chapter five, and let's see. I think I want to start with verse twelve. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin's not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to, to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free, grit, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. Get a hold of this right here. Condemnation through one man. Justification through another man. Condemnation. Justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. Death reign. Look at this word. Reign. Reign. That word reign is dealing with kingship. When you see reign, you have a king. So through one man, death reigned. So we have death reigning over all creation through one man's disobedience. Through the obedience of another man, Life reigns. Okay, so you go. So right here you got death and life. Right here's a picture of death and life. Anyway, through it, it goes on and says much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign. 
in life. Here's where you reign at. In life through the one Jesus Christ. Unto us a child is born, son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. The government of life is upon his shoulders. That's what's upon his shoulders. This is how much greater this kingdom is. This kingdom determines life and death. Glory to God. So you have a government in Christ that determines life, that even sets forth what life is. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we we make these statements, and where I wanted to go earlier, and this just kept coming to me. We're going to rule and reign with Jesus. This is a common statement by Christians. I'm going to rule and reign with him. Okay. I agree with that statement, by the way. But it's, what does it mean? Because usually when we, when we say that statement, we're thinking of it naturally. And this is a matter of heart. Because we're going to rule in the life of Christ in our being. That's what, that's what I'm hearing here. This is a matter of the rule of his life in our being, in our soul, in our mind. What his life says is the rule of God. That's the rule of God that rules in you and me, is what his life says. So I have to know then what his life says. If I don't know what his life says, I don't even know what the rule of God is. Because we reign in life. That life we reign in is not my life, my natural life. He's not talking about our natural life. He's talking about life. And see, life is defined in a person. A person says of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I, so I begin to find life in Christ Jesus. And his life reigns over the death that's in Adam. That's, that's what the, the kingdom of God is, is a life, an eternal life, coming into 
hearts and minds that reigns over the death that was in the soul of man and totally puts it under his feet. Glory to God. Now, to me, that's victory. His life reigning in me is victory. See, see what I mean by that? In his life, he's already defeated every foe you and I can name. He's already defeated. So we can go out and name all these, all these enemies, and Jesus defeated them all. He defeated death. So, so whatever your concept of death is, he defeated it. Now, you may have the wrong concept of it, but he defeated death. I may have the wrong concept of it, but he defeated death, and the death was in the man Adam. He defeated hell. He defeated everything there is to do with hell. He defeated it. So, so you and I in Christ, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear hell. We don't have to fear the devil. We don't have to fear all these things that a lot of Christians are continually in, you know, fearing. Jesus already defeated them. He already destroyed the power of the devil, which is death. He already did it. You say, well, Brother Wayne, but, but, okay, I can either believe what he's done and have faith in him or not. I can come to the place where, where I set my eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, or I can set my eyes upon situations and I can say the situations are real. I can, I can do that. And setting my eyes upon situations will never cure my heart. Because you know what's in your heart. You know what's in the inside of you. You know if your mind's at rest. You know if you're at peace. You know that. I know that. And Jesus, we, we talked about this last week, and, and I just had a phenomenal time with this one scripture last week because I'd never seen it the way I did. And probably right when I began to speak to you a little bit before, I just saw this thing. I've read it Lord knows how many times. And so it was so, it was so fresh because it was new to me that, you, you know, the, and I'll read it, Matthew uh, 22, Matthew 12 and 22, excuse me, Matthew 12 and 22, then was brought unto him one possessed with a demon, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the dumb man spake and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man doth not cast out demons, 
but by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, and knowing their thought, knowing their thoughts, again, knowing their heart, he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casteth out Satan, he is divided against himself, and how shall his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I by the Spirit of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is come upon you. Or how can one enter into the house of a strong man and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man? And this is what just come out at me. Jesus entered the house of the strong man. He came into Adam's house. He came into the dominion of darkness and destroyed his power. That's what he did. So when I received him, the Apostle Paul writes that I'm, transfer, I'm transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. So, so if Jesus' kingdom is a future kingdom, like a lot of people say, then I am not transferred out of the kingdom right now. Does that make sense? If Jesus' kingdom is still yet to come, I'm not telling you there's not more of it to live in, but if it's a futuristic thing that's coming someday, then I'm still in darkness. I'm still in death because he would not have destroyed those things yet but at the cross he took the dominion of the devil of Adam and destroyed it brought it to death he took death in himself and nailed it up on the cross. And that's what you and I have to see. He nailed death to the cross, crucified it, and raised out from the dead. So our new birth is out from the dead. So when I'm born again, I'm born from the life of God. So I'm not even born again from my old stagnant natural life. So my new birth is not my old stagnant life getting better. It's now the life of God has entered into me. And I've entered into him. Glory to God. That's what the new birth is. is, is the kingdom of God has now moved into me and I'm moving into the kingdom. I'm, I'm switching. I'm moving places. Like Brother uh, Jimmy preached uh, this past Sunday, we're moving from 
one place to another. We're moving from one dominion to another. And that dominion we were in naturally was darkness, but now we've received the light of God in our hearts that we can see what Jesus did and declare it in the earth. See, see, we, we read scriptures like Daniel, the kingdom and dominion have been given to the saints of the Most High, and we get excited about it. We have the kingdom, but then we don't know what we have. What kingdom do we have? We have the kingdom of his life. We reign in his Wife. Well, if I don't know much about his wife, I probably ain't going to do a whole lot of reigning. <laughs> if we reign in life and I don't know his wife, then then that's probably just a, a, a little bit of reigning. And, and that may be the issue. I don't know his life. I don't know the abundance and power of the life that's in me. How much power is in us? Well, the power that said, let there be light, and there was light. That's how much power is in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He shall quicken your mortal bodies. That's the power of the endless life that is in you. But I have to know it. It has to be measured out to me, and it's measured out to me in a person. That's how I know it. I know it by the person who is my life. See, see flip over to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. And this, this scripture, I, I could probably read it every week and be happy. Because here Paul, in a few words, preaches to me the gospel. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you be risen, many do not know they be risen. But if you be risen with Christ, you're, you're, you've been raised from the dead. You've been raised from the dead that's in Adam. And if you've been raised from the dead that's in Adam, then seek those things which are above where Christ sit upon the right hand of God. And we talked about the things above last week, the mind of Christ, the mind of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life, your life, is hid with Christ in God. So your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, my life is hid. Can everybody on this broadcast say, my life is hid with Christ in God? 
my life is Christ, and when he shall appear, I shall appear with him in glory. Now flip over with me to John 14 real quick. John 14. Jesus says in verse 20, speaking of when the Comforter is going to come, when the Holy Ghost is going to come, he says that that day you shall know I am in my Father, you and me, and I in you. He that have my commandment and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved in my Father, and I will love him and will manifest, appear to him. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we will appear with him. We'll appear in his life. Judas saith unto him, not a scared, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode with him. So we come to the place and we get established that God has made his abode with us. But what he's, why he's made his abode with us isn't that we just say, God dwells in me. Now that's, that's the understanding we have to come to. You have to cross that bridge that God has come to dwell in you. But he hasn't just come to dwell in you like a, like a pool of stagnant water. He's come to dwell in you. Brother Jimmy did such a great job of dealing with the water of life on Sunday. He's come to be this ever-appearing Lord, that there would be an ever-flowing stream of God out of your bellies, just like Jesus said, out of your innermost being, out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water, that, that, that he would appear. He would continually appear in us, and as he appears in us, we see our life, and then if we hear what the Bible says about that, when we see him, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So we appear with him in glory, because we're changed into the same image. And when that image is formed in us, we rule in the life that's formed in us. So, so we begin to rule that sin can't separate me from God because Jesus paid it off. And that begins to become real in me that Jesus really paid for every sin that a man can do. He paid for them all. Now, I believe that. Took me years to cross that. What can separate me from 
the love of God. See, that's Christ ruling in your heart when you come to the place and you say, well, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's him ruling. Him having dominion. Because when he begins to rule there, then you can begin to believe that everything he said is going to happen and it's going to happen to you and it's going to happen in your vessel. So when he said he's going to make you righteous trees to bear forth the fruit of God, he meant it. If you abide in the vine and my word abide in you, you you're going to bear fruit. It's going to happen because the one that is producing the fruit is who you're abiding in and not you. So you're not trying to work the fruit up. It's the one abiding in you whose fruit you are bearing. It's the one that's abiding in you whose life you are living. And he reigns over the dead. He reigns over death. So whatever God defines death as, Jesus reigns over it. The whole dominion of it. And the Apostle John says, as he is, so are we in this world. So we're to be the expression of him in the earth. Bringing into situations his life. Glory to God. I'm about ready to quit, but I'm going to share one little thing, and, and I'll stop and, and open it up, and we'll have to move this further, Lord willing, next week. Years ago, I went to preach a funeral. This was years ago. And some of you have heard this. It was my great aunt. She had passed away and I'm going to preach a funeral. And in my mind, I'm thinking what scriptures I'm going to use. And it comes before me, a very familiar funeral scripture. Man born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And the Lord's dealt in my heart. And he said in me, is she just a man born a woman? And I had to say, no, she's not. She's born again of God. And so the atmosphere of that funeral, we carry the atmosphere of God with us. So we go into an atmosphere, and if we go into an atmosphere that everything is doom and gloom and despair, then, then the people just break out in doom and gloom and despair. But the atmosphere is she didn't, she didn't folks die the death of man. Now she died physically, but she dwells in Christ. He's her life. And that was the atmosphere that came into that room. Because the truth is, he's our life. 
So when we put off these bodies of clay, he doesn't quit being alive. Because you received life. You received him. And he's eternal. He doesn't end. He doesn't stop. So when I receive him, I have received eternal life at that moment. So that atmosphere should be in my mind and my heart, and I should be carrying it around and be able to change the atmospheres of rooms because of the life that's in me. Not because of who I am. But when I begin to speak out of this life, you know, when Jesus spoke out of the life that was in him, he changed the atmosphere. He changed the circumstance. The man that was blind, the man that was deaf and dumb, had a whole different outcome. And when he begins to work in us and out of us, atmospheres change. Glory to God. It doesn't stay the same. And we're going to have to receive that. God's not intending for things just to stay the same. He's intending for our minds and hearts to be radically changed, to be radically moved, and to be transformed. Hallelujah. And I've been on that in the Sunday morning teachings. You were darkness, now you are light. That's a transformation, folks. That's being transformed. You were darkness, now are you light in the Lord? So, so if I'm light in the Lord, I should be able to bring the light of that into the atmosphere I'm in. Right? Amen. Well, I could go on and on with this, but I'm going to stop right here and open it up. So...